would like to greet you in the name of Jesus this morning, the one who died for us, the one who shed his blood for us, and the one who washed us in his own blood. And this is also the one who's coming for us again someday. Are we excited about that this morning? The Lord Jesus Christ who loved us so much that he gave and was willing to give his life for us. Do we love to tell that old, old story of Jesus and his love? This morning I'd like to turn to Luke 15, 22 to 24. Luke 15, verses 22 to 24. It says in there, but the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and he began to be merry. We know the story of the prodigal son. There's a wonderful scene that we can see in this, par uh, in this uh, parable, the prodigal son. We can see here when the wayward son finally comes to the end of his rope, so to speak. He starts to think back home, and he thinks about what is back home with his father, and how even his father's servants, and how well they had, it and, the, and the extra food they even had. They even had enough to extra to spare. So he came to his senses and began his long journey home. What does the father do at that moment? He sees his wayward son. He runs and he embraces him. And he has compassion for him. We can see that the father was full of joy. And he was rejoicing. This picture is like the rejoicing, I believe, that happens in heaven when one sinner repenteth. We can see that in Luke 15, verse 7. It tells us, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons who need no repentance. The picture of this prodigal son is a great picture of, of, uh, of redemption. I believe Jesus is showing us what it's like to come home when we confess our sins and finally come back to the Lord. But you know, I can believe it also shows a picture when our life here is done. And we are coming home. I can only imagine our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ with open arms, full of joy and compassion, and says, child, come home. And we will see Jesus face to face. Are we excited about that this morning? I believe we are here this morning to remember his love for us. And to exalt his name for what Christ has done for each and every one. You know, this God who created the universe, the most powerful being ever, loves you personally. He loves you as a person. And he loves you and cares about your life and wants to be part of it. He wants a relationship with you this morning. God's love is unconditional and it's infinite. God commands those fellows, uh, those that follow him, to love one another. The only thing that separates us from God is our sin nature. But you know, God has made a way. God has made a way for that as well. Romans 5 verse 8 tells us, 
but God commends his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ, he has died for us. Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, has quickened us together with Christ, by ye you are saved. You know, this morning we do not deserve God's love. No one deserves it. But the wonderful thing is he still loves us. I read about a small boy who was consistently late coming home from school. His parents warned him one day that he must be, on home, must be home on time this afternoon. But even so, he arrived later than ever. So his mother met him at the door and said nothing. And at the supper table that night, the boy looked at his plate. There was a slice of bread and a glass of water. He looked at his father's full plate. And he looked at his father. But the father remained silent. The boy was crushed. So the father waited for the full impact to sink in. Then quietly the father took the boy's plate and placed it in front of himself. He then took his own plate of meat and potatoes and set it over in front of the boy. And he smiled at his son. When the boy grew up as a man, he said, all my life i known what God is like when my, when my father did what he did that night. Oh, what a love. Oh, what a love that is. God's grace, God's love you so very much that he paid that price to offer you the gift of eternal life. Not one of us deserves it based on our own actions or right on what we think we are. But it's only through his son, Jesus Christ, who paid the way. Oh, what a love. God's love is a precious gift. We should treasure it. How excellent is the loving kindness of God, Psalm 36, 7 tells us. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Psalm 63, or I'm sorry, Psalm 63, verse 3 tells us. A few verses in Revelations I would like to read. On how it expresses the goodness of God in Christ and what he has done for us and how it, ex it is expressed in heaven. If you turn to him with me, Revelations 5, 11 to 14. Revelations 5, 11 to 14. And, he, and I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels around about the throne, and the beasts, and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, to receive power, and riches, and wisdom, and strength, and an honor, and glory, and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven, and on the earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, heard I saying, Bless Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever. You know, if we look at this scene 
And see, the thousands and tens of thousands are worshipers, and they're worshiping the Lamb. The Lamb that came to earth for you and I, for the lost souls on this earth. And we see this worship scene because the Savior came for the lost. And the love he had for us. This is very humbling to know what Christ has done for you and I. I think of today as a special day. A day where we can come together and take part of that remembrance of the old, old story of Jesus and his love for you and I. You know, this morning one would hardly think that those who have been redeemed would need to be reminded of God's grace shown in Jesus Christ. But you know, this morning we do. I believe we need to keep this in our minds of what Jesus has done for each one of us. I think of the song that we sing time and time again, lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thy agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. This morning, hope that's our desire to be part of the, take part of this communion service so we can remember to keep Jesus as the king of our lives, to remember what he has done for you and I. I think about memory or remembering things. I think about memorials. Today we see many memorials, many different parks that are memorial parks. We could think of the day in the spring and call it Memorial Day. And the day that is to remember those who have gave their lives for their country. We can think of many others that people try to remember their loved ones by. We see families named their children after their grandparents' names so they can have memory of their Grandparents, and the names can remind them of them. You can see many keychains with pictures of those that have gone before, of loved ones, and maybe even a cross. Many people continue old traditions in memory of their loved ones. Also many crosses we can also see on mirrors, hanging on a car, or on a keychain, or on a wall. We can see many, many different things to remind us of what Jesus has done and what something has done for us. But I believe we need to be reminded from time and time again, because we live in a world when things get busy and we get caught up in the things of this world. And I believe we can forget about the importance of his love for us. Because we carry about with us the atom of sin and death. And we should never forget the name of Jesus, the one whom we love. If we truly are born again believers in him, we should not forget his love for you and I. But I think we need to find a time to remember and meditate on Jesus and his suffering. As we look at the word meaning for memorial, it is something that keeps remembrance alive. It keeps something alive so we can remember. Memorial brings loved ones together. Memory brings healing. Memorials provide opportunity for expressing grief. In other words, it is to keep something from the past alive and remembered. So when we meet for communion, we can be reminded of his command to remember his death. It says in 1 Corinthians 11, 24, it says, Do this in remembrance of me. Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is the New Testament, my blood. This do ye oft as you drink in remembrance of me. You know, I believe Jesus was the greatest person who ever lived. He is the greatest person that ever lived. 
You know, did you know there is more books written? There was more songs sung. There was more discussion given regarding Jesus than all other men together. John 21, 25 tells us this. And there are also many other things Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, everyone, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. To remember Jesus is a very important responsibility of a Christian life. The tragedy of forgetting God is suggested in Jeremiah 18, verse 15, it tells, it tells us in there, Because my people have forgotten me, they have burned incense to vanity, and they have caused them to stumble in their ways from the ancient past, to walk in past in a way not cast up. Also, Hosea 4, verse 6 tells us, My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of God, I will also forget thy children. So I believe we need a reminder each and every day to remember what Jesus Christ has done. And we do this twice a year to remember the communion service of what Christ has done. Psalm 77, 11, 12 says, I will remember thy works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also all thy works and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is great, O God, as our God? Who is so great, a God, as our God? The idea of remembering is more than just recalling that event took place. It has the idea of stirring one's mind to relive what Jesus Christ, as much as of his life and death and resurrection, as humanly as we can. It is time to remember when Jesus went, what Jesus went through for each one of us so we can be set free from that bondage of sin. The salvation we join Jesus Christ today is free for the taking. But you know this morning it was not cheap. It cost the Lord Jesus Christ his life on that cross. I want us to think about that this morning. About his death. Jesus suffered for us on Calvary. Let's turn to Matthew 27. Verses 27 to Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew 27, 27 to 44. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus un, into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him and put him, put on him a scarlet robe. And when he had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And he spit upon him, and he took the reed and smote him on, his, on the head. And after that they had mocked him, they took off the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him, 
and he led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man, a Cyrene Simon, by the name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were coming to, to a place called Galgotha, Galgotha, that is to say a place of the skull, they gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall. And when he had tested, when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And he crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, and set up over his head his accusation, ran, this, is the, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Then were they the two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And he had passed by, and they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, that thou destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days. Save thyself, if thou be the son of God, come down from that cross. Likewise, also the chief priests mocked him. But the scribes and elders said, now come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now. And if he will have him, for he said, I am the son of God, that these also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. This morning, can you think of anyone who was treated more harshly than our Lord Jesus Christ? Earlier on, he was betrayed by his disciple Judas. Can you imagine the sorrow that Jesus must have felt when one of his own became a traitor, when Judas took 30 pieces of silver to have his master arrested? Early on, he was also abandoned by his other followers. We ought to think of Peter and his denial of Jesus. But in Mark 14, verse 50, it tells us that all the disciples left him and fled after his arrest. Jesus had to suffer alone. All the disciples he had invested in for the last couple of years left him and fled. In the hour, in the hour when he would have needed them the most. You know, Jesus paid it all. He accomplished this work of redemption without our help. And he forgave us for our denials. He carried the burden of sin of the world. Jesus' greatest agony did not only start it on the cross. I believe it started back in Gethsemane. I believe he felt the weight of the sin of the world. Luke 22, verses 42 to 44 says in there, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will be, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. I believe Jesus was being prepared to bear the punishment we deserved. He was falsely accused and rejected by the Jewish leaders. When Jesus was arrested, he was bound by the soldiers. I read that they say those who have been handcuffed 
say that it's very painful to have one's hands tied behind their back for a long period of time. But Jesus spent the entire night standing trial before the Jewish court. He was not only a victim of lies and mockery, he was also mocked and abused by the Romans' guards. They placed, a crown, they placed a crown of thorns on his head. I can only imagine the thorns piercing his head by maybe the long thorn briars. And then we also see here in Matthew, the soldiers repeatedly struck Jesus on his head with a reed. And he was spit upon. He was beaten. I can only imagine what Jesus' face must have looked like. It could have been swollen. His eyes were blackened. His face and his nose were swollen and bloodied by the abuse of soldiers. He was scourged and whipped. It is said that the scourging was the most dreadful punishment. Bits of lead and stone made the whip a brutal slashing instrument of pain. It caused ripping of a man's back and legs to shreds. Occasionally, even sometimes to say, it can tear out an eye or slice open an ear. Jesus was led like a sheep to a slaughter. He was forced to carry his own cross. I can only imagine a beam rubbed Jesus' shoulder raw. And he may have fell on that rough streets under the weight of that cross. The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke all state that Simon the Serene carried the cross for Jesus. It appears he was too weak to bear it any farther. But you know, he could have called 12 legions of angels to stop that torture. But he chose to endure that pain because he loved us. And he was to fulfill the scriptures. He did this because he loves each one of us. He was crucified between two thieves. I can't this morning imagine the pain of crucifixion. Nails were driven into his hands. He had to slide up against that wood on the cross in order to catch his breath. And I can only imagine the roughness of that old cross. He hung on that cross naked and endured the ultimate shame. He hung on that cross next to two men who had been convicted of crimes. While Jesus was completely innocent. Here Jesus took our place for you and for I. His body was pierced with a spear. Even after Jesus took his last breath, his soldier pierced his side. He did this most likely to make sure that he was dead. John tells us blood and water spilled out. Jesus, he tasted the death of all, for all. The most horrible death in reality of the cross. I believe that's the most horrible death. The Son of God who had never sinned and one who did not deserve the death. He died so we could have life. 1 Peter 3.18 
For Christ also has once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Was it not enough for Jesus just to die for us? I don't believe so. Absolutely not. Jesus had to die through the shedding of his blood. The whole purpose of his death was to provide atonement for sin. The word atonement means a covering. For an atonement to take place, blood had to be shed. Hebrews 9, verse 12, And almost all things are by the law purged with the blood, and without shedding of the blood is no remission. John 1, verse 29 tells us, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. What Jesus did when he died was to provide a perfect plan of salvation for all who will come to him by faith. He gave his blood, which is the only way sin could ever be paid for, and the only way sinners could be saved. Because God is holy. Holy, holy is our Lord God Almighty. He is so pure that we in ourselves could never reach the Father of ourselves. Because of the sin nature of mankind, sin cannot mix with the holiness of the pure, holy, almighty God. But it's only through that precious blood of Jesus that we have a way to the Father. Jesus is our advocate. He is the one that intercedes for you and I. He is our great defender, the only way to the Father. Romans 6, verse 23 tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ our Lord. What Jesus did on that cross is for each one of us this morning. And as we come together for communion, we can remember the body that was broken for us and the blood that was shed. So each one of us had the way to the Father which is in heaven. As we partake of this communion service and we raise up that cup of grape juice to our lips this morning, take the time to remember that is a reminder of the blood Jesus shed for you and I to save us from that pit of hell. Jesus is said to be the one who died, but he's also the one who is returning. It is true that he must be alive, and we can thank God that he is alive this morning. This is what the Bible tells us in Matthew 28, verses 1 to 6. It says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary, Magdalene, and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. 
And also in, verse, uh, in John 10, verse 18, it says, No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down myself. I had the power to lay it down. I had the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. And Hebrews 7, verse 25, also tells us, Wherefore he is able to also to save them to the utmost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He said, Unless you repent, you will perish. Unless we turn to Christ and try to change our sinful lives, we will suffer and we will be in eternity separated from our God. But if we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, we can enjoy the eternity with him in heaven. We know he promises of his return. He promised that he is returning to this world someday to receive his people unto himself. John 14, 1-3 is encouragement for us. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You know, God has made a way for you. God paid the ultimate price to make a way for sinners to be forgiven and have their names written in that land's book of life. God's ultimate plan for each one of us is to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died for you. He paid the penalty of that sin. He suffered God's wrath on that cross in your place. He was buried and on the third day after his death, he rose from the grave. And 40 days later, he sent it up into heaven. And he's sitting on that right hand side of God and he's interceding for you and I. What an awesome God we serve, who loved us so much that he was willing to give his son on that cross to pay for the penalty of your and my sins. And he does not want us to forget his wonderful plan he put in place for us. So this morning, we are going to partake of that bread and the juice in remembrance of his suffering he endured for you and I. May God richly bless each one of us as we go on a journey of life for him. Let's kneel as we pray.